everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Geek Down, the podcast where two geeks sit in front of microphones and try and figure out where their fandoms intersect. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And this is episode 18? Episode 18. You did it this time. I did. It was not me. There are many ways you can listen to all 18 episodes of this show. You can listen to it on soundcloud.com slash geekdownpod. Click follow. New episodes. You'll be notified when they drop every Tuesday, as well iTunes. Click subscribe. New episodes downloaded to your device every Tuesday, like magic. How easy is that? That is so easy. That you, is the easiest. The easiest. You can also get at us on the various social medias. It's pretty much Geek Down Pod for everything. On the Twitters, at Geek Down Pod. Email geekdownpod at gmail.com. Tumblr, geekdownpod.tumblr.com. And, uh, of course, the Facebook. I like that you just look at me now when we're doing the Facebook. It's, it's, it's what you love the most. So it's www.facebook.com forward slash geekdownpod. Yes. There you go. Owning it. Yeah. We've had some great conversations there. Come, come on down if you want to join the conversation. Or if you have something to ask us about or be mad at us about. Specifically Jordan, because everyone's always mad at Jordan. Everyone's always mad at Jordan. Especially Kaim. Um, and, uh, but yeah, just interact with us because we would love some interaction. So, friends, you've probably grown accustomed to your sprawling uh, hour and a half episodes of Geek Down. Yes. Every week. And we thank you for listening to all of them we, and, and, we, and during the hour and a half. You we seem, sincerely appreciate it. People seem to like long episodes. And I mean, I can't guarantee that. I'm not saying that it's not going to go long today. However, Caitlin has a heart out this afternoon and we have now entered the wet season <laughs> of Toronto. <laughs> or, or or the heat stroke season of Toronto. So, yeah. Got the fans going. Uh, I have my popsicle concoction. Caitlin came in, bless her heart, she came in with like a giant box of popsicles. However... Minus one, I gave one to a homeless man. Did you really? Yeah, I did. That's so nice of you. I didn't have any change on me and asked if you'd like a popsicle. Oh, you may have to take, you may be taking the box with you. <laughs> so Caitlin brought like a box of 30 popsicles and the very welcome, enjoyed them. However, I don't have a freezer because I'm straight bachelor pad living. You know, the Polly Pocket does not have room for a full-size uh, refrigerator. So... It's conceivable that I could, like, maybe get them cold enough in my fridge to maintain their integrity enough. If, if you stick them at the at the top at the back. Top at the back? Yeah. I was going to go middle at the back. Middle at the back? Yeah. Why? That's where some... If frost develops, that's where I tend oh, to find okay, frost. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wherever the frost develops in your fridge, just stick them at the back. I hope my landlord doesn't listen to this. They get real... They really feel away if frost starts de- <laughs> developing. They try to come in here uh, every summer and be like, keep your fridge set to one. I'm like, well, you better get the fuck out of here with that. <laughs> set it to one. Um, but the point is, we are just gorging on popsicles. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> whole, we're trying to- whole mouth is, is multicolored at this yes, point. We have rainbow mouths. We are trying to eat as many popsicles as possible. And <laughs> to aid that, <laughs> Caitlin has been taking her popsicles and dissolving them in glasses of water. Okay. And- you need to start from the beginning. What happened was, because it is a, like a small sauna in here. You tell the story because I don't have a popsicle right now. Okay. Well, it, it's so a small sauna in here. Jordan's going to get a popsicle. Um, my popsicle started melting at a rapid rate and I didn't know what to do with it. So I looked to the first thing I could. It was my glass of water. So I popped it in my glass of water and now I've got a popsicle drink concoction. It's kind of like Kool-Aid. And yeah, I mean, if it works, that's how, that's what Jordan's going to be using to cool himself for the next two weeks. And, and it, it's, it's okay. It's not amazing. It is a little watered down, but it is, it's, it's good. 
So are you saying I should? Oh, there I got a piece that fell off. There you go. Just, just pop that right. Dump oh, that there right we go. In there. there we go. Right in there. You're gonna probably want to add more. Yeah, we'll just yeah, put, just the, whole put the whole thing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Tips for keeping cool this summer <laughs> here on the Geek Down Podcast, a friends. Or AC. Yeah, if you're fucking poor and <laughs> living a bachelor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how was your week? Um, it was good. It, I've been enjoying the the weather, but as I predicted, it got increasingly hot um, very quickly. And it's sort of like a, because I also don't have AC. Um, oh, no. Because I am also poor. <laughs> we do have an air conditioning unit, though, but mm-hmm. it's only one, and we have multiple rooms that we have to basically, like, <laughs> move around whichever was, room we're in. It was like that in, like, the first house I grew up in, where you'd have that, you know, the living room was perfect. Yeah. But if I went in my bedroom, it was like, oh, God, I want to die. Yeah, basically. And we are also on the top floor of a house, so we also get that. Uh, we go up the stairs, and progressively, it goes from, like, hate, normal hate to... life more and more. Yeah, exactly, to more and more sticky, so... Yeah. So if you are out there and you don't have AC, hit up uh, No Frills and get some popsicles. And if you need to know, uh, if you want a sense of how hot it is, you will recall last week Caitlin mentioned it was like 24 degrees and she had a little sweater on. There is no sweater today. No, I am Caitlin is shoulders out. And that is a big deal. As big a deal, the fact that I put a shirt on when Caitlin came over. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're rocking with. We'll see how this summer plays out, friends. It's going to be an adventure. All right, but... Uh, Beyond uh, weather with Jordan and Kate, <laughs> um, what, uh, what other kind of news do we have? Um, well, probably first and foremost, Caitlin got really mad because I was going to try and save this discussion for the podcast. <laughs> and she was like, we can't even talk about this. So we already talked about it, but for the benefit of the listeners, uh, we both saw Preacher. Yes. I, as I mentioned, because I got to watch that first four minutes or whatever i was really interested and i went on to amc and uh watched the episode i think we were both pretty big fans of what we saw there well i wasn't sure about you because you seemed a little hesitant whereas i was totally gung-ho there are things that it's hard to say i'm not to use a phrase i will be using later i'm not butthurt about it my butt is perfectly fine right intact I was confused when the part of the show that everyone seems to be heaping uh, acclaim on universally, uh, Ruth Nega's performance as Tulip, yeah. burst on the screen. I didn't recall her being that flagrant of a criminal. Yeah, no, she definitely wasn't. Like, I remember her showing up in the comics. When I went back and checked. Oh, okay. That's great, Kate. Sorry, I'm trying to... I'm trying... I, my, my phone went off. I am now shutting it down. It's real great. It's real professional, Kate. It's gone. We've done it. <laughs> It's gone forever. I went back and checked because I wanted to be sure. And while she's still like attempting to murder someone in the comic, she is, it seems like it's the first time she's done this. She seems a little antsy about it. Um, I read an article that pointed to that as like being a, it's all that it's progressive that she's just so flagrantly uh, a career criminal. Right. And which I guess it is, but it just kind of made me, made me go, huh, huh. That's odd. Well, like I don't made, recall her dealing meth. In. No, they've made quite a few changes mm-hmm. to, and I'm wondering how that is going to, because the, I mean, the comics are set up in a very particular way in a very particular arc. So yes. I'm wondering how that is going to play out for the rest of the series, because really, so far, nothing's really happening the way it has in the comics. Yeah, it's my understanding. I thought I read something that said they're pretty much going to be in Texas for most of the season. Okay. that Yeah, that's that's interesting. Because the comic 
is paced so much quicker, yeah. they realized they had to slow it down. Yeah. So that's why you get all of them. I guess they all met in Texas in the comics, too, but in a different fashion. In a very different way. So, yeah. So, well, I mean, I really enjoyed it. And because I can, as we've talked about a last episode and previous episodes, I can dis- disconnect myself really well from source material. I sort of had to learn to do that because as all these things I loved were being made in the 2000s into movies, I had to try and learn to separate church and state, I like to say. (laughs) Separate church and state. And I'm trying to do that as well. I definitely liked a lot of what I saw there. I was kind of in the minority. Most people thought Dominic Cooper was the least interesting thing about the episode. I did not. I actually really liked his performance. I thought Cassidy was kind of the most troublesome, mostly because he looks like a like the Earth Two Daniel Radcliffe, and I have a. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> he does. He looks like a looks like a slightly off. Like if you're squinting, if you squinted at Daniel Radcliffe, you would have the dude <laughs> playing Cassidy. Okay. All right. I'll have to try that at some point. So I'm trying to get over this, but I did like his performance. Uh, like the gore, obviously, the gore was up to your standards. You were pleased with the gore. I was very pleased with the gore. <laughs> I I mean I know why I one of my favorite scenes were the kids in the like. The cellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody called back to that scene. Oh, I didn't see. I haven't read anything about it. I just, again, know what I like, um, <laughs> and I and I thought that was a great scene. I mean, I the one thing I will agree with that a lot of people have said about the pilot is the a word I've seen used about this pilot that I would agree with is that uh, it's just confident. Like it knew what it was when it went in to itself. Like it's we always talk about we give it the rule of three because pilots are usually shaky and yeah. they don't quite know what they're doing yet there's none of that here nope. you could have watched one like we've watched one episode and we're like yeah cool we're in like yeah. we don't even need to give this a rule of three so i mean yeah hopefully it's i've heard the ratings were modest but it was also a super busy night of television there were like two it was like an nba game an nhl game game of thrones was on that night like right. it's it was it was a packed night and i didn't realize they were trying to compete with game of thrones i don't know if, i don't know if the exact if the time slots are like completely going head to head right um I think it aired at nine. I, I, I don't, don't have cable. I, I don't, don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> we, we get all these things, which I think is what they're banking on and why they don't care. I think they think that people are going to do what you and I did and just watch it online. Yeah. Watch it streaming after the fact. And AMC is also, I mean, you need to re- remember Breaking Bad did not set the world on fire when it started. The only show they had that was like a hit out the gate was Walking Dead. So they're used to letting things cook, I think. Right. Like Mad Men never had good ratings. It just had a conversation around it. It had the prestige. So right. they kept it around. And in a world where everybody needs to be making content all the time, every network has to have like a library of content to gain subscribers. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that despite the modest ratings, Preacher's going to be given a, a good shot good. to I'm, develop I'm, itself. I'm really glad to hear that because I it's a really... Uh, it's really interesting source material and it, it kind of fits sort of where television has been going so we'll see what they make of it in the television platform yeah i mean you can basically throw the comics it just occurred to me as uh, as you were saying that you can throw the comic plot out the window because uh jackie O'Haley, who played rorschach in watchmen he's probably best known for that um is playing i think his name's owen quinn cannon you see you see quinn cannon power and meat or whatever yeah um the wife who's getting smacked around to her delight another great scene (laughs) is uh she works there so in the comics he's in a completely different town he doesn't show up until like past the halfway point of the comics but he's obviously probably going to be the big bad for this season so they're already doing lots of things i like that the sheriff is much more sympathetic he's got a couple more notes to him in the uh in the comics he was just a you know one note hick jerk yep 
love our face. Yeah. Oh, he was so sweet. They ca- <laughs> that dude captured the spirit of that character so well. Because that's yeah. the thing, right? Yeah, he's horrible to look at, but he's the sweetest kid you'll ever meet. And yeah. he really got to that. <laughs> the meat shake. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not going to just t- go through the episode and tell you everything we like. But uh, definitely, if you were if you were hesitant, it's, it's worth a look. No, definitely. Definitely. All right. And on to my very important news. Yes. That if you are the type of person who will want to be seen in a bathing suit, <laughs> um, then there are Starfleet swimsuits. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Uh, I'm, I'm amazed it took this long, to be honest. Um, I'm sure there's been some kind of thing done, but they're, they've been released. You can buy them at ThinkGeek. Of course you can, because ThinkGeek is awesome. <laughs> and they're actually, they're really good looking. Uh, oh, oh yeah, I'll let, I'll let you see, I'll let you see. Um, like to see. like to see what show we're dealing with here. Oh, no, TNG, that's what I'm here for. Now, if I was to be seen in a swimsuit. I was going to say, which, uh, so for the, for those of you not, not familiar, um, they have, they are the next generation style uniforms. Yeah. The black with kind of the colored stripe of sorts, the wide stripe along it. Oh my God! Can you choose your pips? Can you choose your pips, Caitlin? Um, got really, <laughs> you got really, got really excited about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you can get. I don't know what the technical like. It's, like it's blue with science. Uh, yeah, science and medicine. Yes, red is. Uh, red is. Oh, what do they call it? it um, basically, all the, it's the like officers. It's right? Officers, or, yeah. yeah. And is yellow off yellow is engineer. And which why wouldn't they make it like a everything else is a nice color. Well, it's a it's a yellow, it's a gold, but <laughs> gold. That's why wouldn't they make it like green? But there's no green Star Trek uniforms. I know, but why not? <laughs> I mean, they changed in in the original series. Gold used to be the officers. I guess that was just the captain, right? Yeah, and the officers, and then they changed it around. Why wouldn't they be like, you know what? Let's let's not get this color of puce. Why don't we? Why don't we pick something else? J- judging by your, your other than puce, your your minor tirade, your weak tirade <laughs> voice here, I'm I'm assuming that's the <laughs> that's where your heart lies. Uh, no, no, I'd be science and medicine. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I do something with some futuristic astronomy stuff. That's what I would do. You were hanging out in stellar cartography. Yeah, exactly. In your swimsuit with, with seven of nine. <laughs> in my swimsuit. Oh. Well, maybe not with seven, seven of nine in my swimsuit. <laughs> Show anybody up. Um, but anyways, so that that's you know some of my big news. It was kind of a slow news week. Let's just be honest. Yeah, here. really not much going on this week, friends. No. Uh, but what is ongoing? Summer butthurt 2K16 <laughs> continues. Oh, dear. So, Summer of Butthurt 2K16 started last week with the DC Rebirth yeah. book, which I did not know. Not only does Batman find uh, the comedian's button in the Batcave, there's then an epilogue set on Mars, which flagrantly quotes the end of Watchmen. Oh. So, this isn't just like, cute, maybe it won't work out. Maybe it won't be that. No, it's definitely that. They're definitely using Watchmen as characters in this story. Okay. Anybody who's got a problem with that? Anybody who thinks it should be left alone? Nothing ever ends, Adrian. Nothing ends. <laughs> Boom. Now, on the Marvel side of things. Yeah. Butt hurt because in this week's Steve Rogers Captain America number one, mm-hmm. this was also the one that the, man, I should have got this now because Stupid Matt offered, this is the one that was going to have the Dilla variant, the yeah. Donuts variant, and Stupid Matt offered to pick pick it up for me, and I was like, eh, I don't really need to spend that money. I'm, I got to go to New York. Now I wish I had, given all the all the rage that this <laughs> this issue is causing. Uh, long story short, spoilers if you care. 
So in this issue where we see Steve Rogers, the recently reuthified Steve Rogers, yeah, because he was depowered and old for yeah. the last couple of years. This is why Sam Wilson, the Falcon, took over as Captain America for a while. I was reading the synopsis. There was something about a shield had like some prison town, like a virtual town that served as a prison. And old Steve Rogers was wandering around there and there was like a sentient cosmic cube. Okay. Who, like, gave him back his powers and youthified him and all that stuff. Uh, and then there was, like, a breakout and they all, like, went on their merry way. Uh, so now Steve has, like, the old shield, like the triangular shield. Yeah. And a slightly different uniform. And him and I don't know how old Sharon Carter is supposed to be, but she's, like, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. now. Okay. Because Maria Hill has been, like, I don't know, fired or is about to be court-martialed or something. Anyway, long story short, sprinkled throughout this, like, standard Captain America type story, scenes from steve rogers youth in like 1926 where like his mom's about to get like beat down by her husband and this other woman comes up and stops it and kind of calls him off type of thing and basically is socializing with steve rogers mom and at the end of the near the end of the issue hands her this flyer and is like hey i've got this there's like this community group like i don't know maybe you'd be interested you said you wanted to help to change to make things better maybe maybe you'd be interested we could really use more people and it's a flyer for hydra and at the end of the issue, Steve is trying to do something on a plane with some scientist or something. And like a minor character who's like a minor flag themed character who's now part of the like Captain America Super Friends team. <laughs> yeah. Decides that he's going to back up Cap, even though he's had orders not to. And when he gets up there, I don't recall what exactly he sees, but Cap basically throws him out of the plane, looks at the scientist and says, Hail Hydra. Yes. Oh, my God. Captain America has been a sleeper Hydra agent. Since, like, the 20s. You know what would have been way more interesting? Hmm. The story of how they figure out and decide whether Captain America or Falcon is Captain America. Falcon is Captain... From what I read, I'm assuming this played out in, the, in another book, uh, the synopsis says that Steve Rogers wasn't going to get involved. He was like, you're Captain America now. Cool. And Sam Wilson was like, there can be two. I, I just think that that's, I'm just, my point is, is that I think talking about power dynamics and how uh, characters... Oh, you thought this progressivism would last? No, should, son. ...should move on and, you know, make maybe go through another <laughs> stage is, in their lives. This is comics. You're talking to a guy who, who didn't forgive Joe, who's still yet to forgive Joe Quesada for retconning Spider-Man's marriage. Like... And I, yeah, I just, I feel like comic book characters need to move on and die and new comic characters should come up. And I know I'm like one of the very few people, apparently. That Um, that would make sense. I just, I don't (laughs) think it's very interesting. Uh, No, no, it's not. And what I, what baffles me somewhat is everyone prefaces their butthurt with, I know it's comics. I know this is all just going to get changed in a year. Yeah. Why do you care so much? Because it's their stories. We talked about this. And this is one of the issues is that these, a lot of these stories don't grow up with us by and large. Yeah. So they're never allowed to do anything with, cause they just remain frozen in Amber for 70 years, which is not interesting and not fun. And it's one of the reasons why I had so much trouble Okay, so as we know, I'm not a I'm I'm a big graphic novel reader. I'm not a big 
comics graphic novel reader. Yeah, you're not an issue to issue reader. No, I, I tried with them. Um, I actually can't remember which X-Men it was. I know Josh Whedon wrote the first little bit of it. Oh, Astonishing. Astonishing. It was a book I made for Josh it. Whedon. I hated it. It was like from all the baggage of continuity you were supposed to know, or or not even no, not even that. It was just they'd start, they'd sort of revamp the team, and it was, but it was all the characters I knew when I was like seven, right? Like when I was watching the animated series, mm. and what I wanted was new heroes, mm. um, or old heroes with a mix of new heroes, and then you know, teaching them the ropes and maybe stuff happening to the new heroes, and I, it just didn't. I, I didn't like it. It was just the same old thing. And that and the more I tried to get into comic book, or, or sorry, superhero comic books, the more I found that that's the way it was. And I really didn't like it. So I don't, I don't understand why, A, people are want to hang on so badly. <laughs> and B, I don't understand why they don't want to ever let anything happen to their characters. I wish I had an answer for you. Jordan, why don't you have an answer for me? <laughs> Point the first, though I do have something. Uh, this may be a future. This may be a future recommendation, but I'm just going to put this out for the people now. Yeah. Uh, a book that did kind of. If you're looking for an X-Men book that did kind of do what you're asking to do. Yeah. Wo- I think it was called Wolverine and the X-Men or something. Okay. In the larger plot, Wolverine and Cyclops had had a. Uh, at the time, the X-Men were kind of based off of this island off the California coast. Something happened, I don't even remember what, uh, Cyclops and Wolverine had a philosophical difference. Logan goes back to the school mm-hmm. to rebuild the school, and he's like the headmaster of now what is being called the Jean Grey School for Gifted Youngsters. Right. So it's Logan and a few characters you know on the faculty. Is this where the b- Beast comes in and is like, I'm running the school for Logan? <laughs> Is that is that ring any bells at all? Maybe Beast oh, okay. is there. I th- yeah, Beast is there. The faculty is like Kitty Pride. Beast Storm shows up at one point. It's basically everybody who had a problem with Cyclops shows up. Right. Um, Kitty Pride. Because I, if that is there, uh, there is a character who I love that does not get nearly enough attention, which is uh, Special Agent Abigail Brand. Uh, I don't. She has green hair. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, she yeah. works for Sword. And um, she's actually she was a character made up by Josh Whedon and I think somebody else. J- Joss. Jo- isn't that what I said? You're saying Josh. It sounds oh. like it sounds like Phil Stiller. Sorry, my my mouth is still frozen from all. <laughs> sounds like Phil Stiller. Josh Josh Whedon <laughs> makes makes the best X Men comic. Josh Whedon, uh, yeah, he invented the character and I kind of love her and. I, if it's if that's the I might actually read those if she's in them because I think I've seen her in a couple things. Um, that's my favorite character was oh hell I can't remember his name but there's like a baby brood alien. I'm sorry, bird brood like oh, you know, oh, the, the brood. brood. <laughs> I hate the brood. I hate any X Men com. I don't know why the fucking X Men are always going to space. I don't know what why 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 are they always going to space? That bugs me so much. I don't know why they, I hate when the X Men go to space. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Just my thing. If I ever write an X-Men comic, (laughs) they will not go to space. Do not send them to space. They have frequent run-ins with this alien race called the Brood, which is basically, you know, they're a ripoff of, like, Ridley Scott-type alien sort of thing. Right. But there is a, like, child one who is, like, intelligent, Uh and he wears, like, a little suit with short pants and whatnot, (laughs) and he is the best. And he goes through an emotional journey, and there was one day where I, like, kept posting panels on Instagram about my reactions to everything that was happening to him, because he was having a bad time of it, and I was not enjoying myself. Yeah, Wolverine and the X-Men, kind of separate from lots of new characters, lots of, 
even though it all kind of got reset by the end of it, because that's what happens. <sighs> um, your favorite Grant Morrison re- did really well in his Batman run, where he like changed everything up and then while putting everything back in place, commented on how it kind of sucks that you always have to put everything back in place with these like mythic characters. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, Wolverine, the X-Men book is a good read. Back to Cap, though. Uh, an interesting take on this, which hmm, uh, is the large number of people who are saying this is anti-Semitic. Right. Because you are essentially erasing the jewishness that went into the creation of the character right because, because captain you... america was created by joe simon and jack kirby yeah two young jewish men at a time before the u.s had committed to involving itself in world war ii right so they were basically making a very political statement with this character you know he's punching out hitler on the front on the front cover um and by now saying he has been this sleeper agent all along you are erasing that history I'm not in the business of telling a group I'm not a part of what they can or cannot be offended by. Yeah. Struck me by surprise. I'm sure it struck everyone at Marvel by surprise when they heard that. Um, um, possibly not. I mean, I mean, it, they know enough that that was a major part of the first movie, like the first Captain America movie, right? Mm, like yeah. that is what he's doing, why he was made. Um, so... I mean, they probably didn't think that they were being quite as, what's the word, callous, I guess, in in this idea about Cap. Oh, yeah. They didn't it was, see it in that way. No, it's totally um, just, let's get some sales going. Let's. Just. But I think it's, an, it's a valid point. I mean, they've done it. I, I think I read uh, at least an article that was very similar. It might have been the same. Possibly. Um, about how they've done that with a lot of characters. Um, they like to sort of disassociate certain characters with their past yeah superman is basically the same thing right superman was another character that's created by a couple of jewish kids yes and this actually happens a lot in the world that we take we have a tendency to take the things we like and not give those things the respect that they deserve Mm. and sometimes I, i think it's not done on purpose but i think we we do have a tendency to be callous about what we take that we like I don't know. I guess I'm not saying that, you know, the this erasure has not occurred. Is this erasure any more severe than when, like, Cap was turning into a werewolf in the 80s? Like, you know, that erasure has been ongoing for 70 years. I don't think it's a new thing. I think it's, maybe it stings a little more in this scenario. But again, we don't... It's It's one part of a story. Yes. We don't know what is... We don't know where it's leading. And it's going to be undone in a year anyway. So that should just make people sad. It <laughs> should, should make them angry. It should just make them sad. <laughs> oh, comics. You never cease to you never cease to amaze me. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> they do cease they to, do ama- cease to, amaze, to me amaze all the time. Us. Nothing ever surprises me. No. I think that was really the moment where I started checking out was just like every time when when I got back in, crossovers and events were not a thing. Like everybody was just kind of left to their own. Right. I don't know what the first one that would have really set all this off was. It might have been Civil War, or there might have been one before it. Um, where the events and giant crossovers started selling really well again, and this is one of the things that pushed me out in the '90s. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to buy fucking <laughs> X Factor to know what the hell is going on in this comic. Like, right. stop making me buy all these other books. And every time they'd start amping up one of these crossovers, it would be nothing will ever be the same. <laughs> all caps, exclamation points. You're full of shit. Everything is going to be the same. See, 
here's a good example. I don't know why it worked out better, but in television, <laughs> which is where I fell in love with superheroes. <laughs> where your heart lies. Um, they did like a Spider-Man, X-Men crossover. Like Wolverine was... Did they in the comics? Oh, in the, sorry, in, sorry, in the cartoons? In the cartoons, yeah. And I was freaking out because I was a kid. I didn't know comic books. I didn't know this was a thing that they did. <laughs> that can happen! I knew they were part of the same universe somehow. I think mm-hmm. it was like a new story in Spider in like the Spider-Man TV show, like X-Men, this and that. And like it happened and I was like, Mom, Wolverine is in Spider-Man! And I'm like freaking out. She's like, that's nice, dear. Yeah, like exactly. doesn't know what's going on. Um, but I always thought it was really exciting because my favorite characters were coming together. And that's, I think, what it should be. I don't think it should be like this... Cr- cross comics event because like you said it frustrates people because it doesn't change anything it's the illusion of progression it's like and in in the cartoon it didn't change everything they had a small adventure yeah and then everyone went back to their television shows (laughs) and that was the end of that well continuing the comics butthurt train my own car uh-huh. I, I'm sure someone will lob that accusation at me about how I love to call other people butthurt while being butthurt about one thing and specifically. Yeah. Who wants to draw some rape? I, I don't. You don't. Nope. I don't. You probably shouldn't either, listeners. But if you want to, our friend, my friend and yours, Mark Miller is giving you that opportunity this summer. He's launching another Hit Girl miniseries. This is the young, foul-mouthed, ultra-violent, supporting character from the kick-ass series yes all the kick-ass books and spin-offs are typically drawn by john romita jr john romita jr is under contract to dc right now so mark miller doesn't want to wait wants to get this out apparently he's just got too much gore and rape on his brain he's got to get it out got to put put it out there into the world you sound like you might be angry hmm like maybe just a little bit i this is a slight ache in my butt it's not hurt oh. i can function oh i see okay. I, have bu- I have butt ache <laughs> I have chronic butt ache uh. <laughs> about Mark Miller. But it, friends, if you want to draw some repellent artwork and sell out completely doing it, Mark Miller is here for you. He's offering you a cool $10,000 an issue or for the whole thing. I don't it's remember. It's got to be for the whole thing. $10,000 an issue is it was. It makes it, what, however it works out, it makes it one of the largest like paydays for like any comic. Right. Um, made big two or otherwise. But it's open to everybody. It, I, I, that's kind of weird. Is it just? Is it, do you think it's to drive the popularity or the? Yes. Yeah, well, I don't know. I was like, boy, he doesn't know anybody who Sh- can draw these. Short for of him. a striped jacket, a uh, like a uh, bamboo cane, and a soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> the guy is a carnival barker. It's what he does. So yes, this uh, is absolutely his way to do that. But if you want to do that, hey, uh, I'm not giving you the link. Google is your friend, and free as air, you can go ahead and look that up. But if you if this could be this could be your one shot, this could be your one opportunity to make your mark in the world of comics, drawing what it will be probably one of the worst things to ever grace a page. But get that money. I will never so knock an, another as person's As an artist, hustle. can't you control the way things look? You can try. <sighs> I always have hope. At the end of the day, if you're some schmo off the street who Mark Miller has decided to uh, hire to draw this book. There are 15 other schmoes around the corner that, if you give too much lip, will be more than happy to take your spot. Good to know. But hey, this is your one, this is your one chance. Your one chance, friends. Make it happen. 
You sound so angry. Just don't ask me to buy it. Hey, you want to know what will make you happier? What will make me happy? This next bit of news. Oh, I think I know what this is. Yeah, so... Uh, the um, Ghibli Museum, which we I, would we decide that it's actually Ghibli Museum. It's, uh, they pronounce it Ghibli. We will call it Ghibli. Okay. The Ghibli Museum in Tokyo mm-hmm. has now opened up a <laughs> new cat bus for adults and children. For adults? <laughs> I want to ride the cat bus so bad. <laughs> it actually... It, it looks like it could be fantastic. I want to ride the cat bus You want to so ride the cat bad. bus? It opens July 17th, so if you're heading to Japan and to the Ghibli Museum, take a picture of yourself riding the cat bus and please send it to us. Man, like you in Disneyland, that's me in the Ghibli Museum. Like if I ever got my chance to go to the Ghibli Museum. Oh, Lord. you could send me pictures of you riding the cat bus? Because I will be in there, my fat ass. I guarantee you, that (laughs) cat bus is built for adults, not for my fat ass. They're going (laughs) to... They're going to see me coming. There's going to be a whole lot of gome nasai, sumimasans getting thrown at me if I try to get on that cat bus. I tell you now. I don't know what those mean. They are polite ways of saying sorry. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Because you are not getting on the cat bus, fatty. I'm just, I wonder how many tourists they get from, you know, the States and Canada and UK and sort of Western. I think they get a fair bit. I mean, most of the things I've found more than a few, like English write-ups about about people who've gone to the Ghibli Museum. They're pretty uh, strict about photography. So, I mean, you got to be really, like, on the low. <gasps> Does that mean I might not get a picture of the cat bus? It, it might be hard. You can, you can find some of the Ghibli Museum. A lot of the outdoor stuff. Indoor is a little, a little dicier. Do you know what else they have? What? So, the Ghibli Museum will have, like, seasonal shorts. Yeah. Like, that only ever show in the Ghibli Museum. They don't put them on DVD. You That's can't, so sad. You can't Sorry, watch just them. knowing that there are cartoons out there that I won't be able to see. Yeah. You want to know one you're never going to see? What? May and the Kitten Bus. What? It's a spinoff to My Neighbor Totoro. <gasps> where May finds a smaller one-seater cat bus. Uh, I can't even. And hops around the countryside, meaning other feline-based vehicles. What? Yeah. I'm actually... This was supposed to be happy news, Jordan. <laughs> no, that just ruined This was supposed to be the happiest of news. <laughs> yeah, neither of us are ever going to see that. What is wrong with you? it only shows in the Ghibli Museum. Now I need more happy news. Oh, God. I, uh, I've got some, though. You've got some? Just, right. I was just prepared in case you wanted to go ruin <laughs> she, something. She, she knew my surly ass was going to ruin her happiness. <sighs> so... Lily Wachowski of the Wachowski sisters yes. has decided not to be part of the second season of Sense8, which that in itself is kind of sad. But I think after being forced to come out as a trans woman, she felt she probably needed to take a step back for herself, which I totally get. Um, Lily is the one who was kind of unfortunately outed. Yeah, it was by the Daily Mail in the UK. They basically were taking... Because lo- the... Lots of pictures and like following her around. The other sister, forgive me, I can't remember her name, but she, uh, she came out. She came out several w- years willingly, ago. right? Like yeah. she like announced it. Yeah. yeah okay. Um. So, th- so that in itself is unfortunate. That mm. a that happened. B that she does feel like she needs the time and has to step away from the project. The good news, though, is that there is a second season of Sense Eight. Never watched it. You were a fan. Um, I was a huge fan. I thought it was fantastic. It's one of the best TV shows, um, though I forget that sometimes people are not as 
open to certain ideas as I am. I also forget that people aren't big dorks like me. <laughs> so I'll start talking about something and they'll be like, sorry, what's X-Men? And I kind of, my brain does this thing where like not everyone knows what X-Men are. And I forget that people, you know, don't know all the uh, Harry Potter houses and what house they belong to. Like that kind of stuff I forget. Yeah, or like when people don't know what Mob Deep sampled for Shook One's part two. It's like really, exactly, yeah. like exactly the same. <laughs> So I've recommended the series to maybe some people that would not be as into it as as I am. This one where she's get, somebody's got like eight personalities or something. No, or? no. Okay. The, so the premise is that there are <laughs> blame the marketing. That's what I took <laughs> from the marketing. There are eight people, and they are able to feel and see and sense everything that the other people can feel oh my god there's an anime like that this year there's they're part of basically i think it's called like it's not called a pod but it's like a there are eight there are groups of eight people around mm. and they all can sense what the other people more feel. than one group of eight people yes okay it's there's like there's a fantastic scene where two of the people there's a lot of there's a lot of sexuality sexuality in it and exploration of sexuality and um, there's a great moment where two of the main characters finally get to meet in person. Mm-hmm. And one of them says, I feel like I like we've met before. And the guy says, oh, yeah, we had an orgy together. It was great. And it's just it's a very funny moment at the time. I think you had to have watched the series because you're not laughing as hard as uh, I, I thought it was great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it is a fantastic series. It's a great sci-fi series. And I actually I might I might give it to you if you haven't if you haven't watched it. Sure. So people who are interested in Jordan's reactions and that listen to future episodes because I might <laughs> I might give it to him for one of them. Um, but I'm really excited that the, there's going to be a second season because it was sort of left on a a bit of a, a cliffhanger and i'd love to see where they go with the series yeah we were talking not too long ago about about tragic one season shows yeah that broke our hearts yeah i don't know if we had enough material for a full episode but it was definitely there's something there because it's the fucking worst mine to this day is clone high it's not even wasn't even that good a show but it just ended on a cliffhanger and just really yeah bummed me out especially now that those two dudes have like made all the money like they went off to do like 21 jump street and shit and yeah. they're doing like last man on earth and they they did grant they did an article with grantland about clone high like after they got super famous yeah um and what basically the point of the article was like please make more clone high <laughs> and i don't know that it's totally in their control but um yeah that's always the one that the one that got away it's, it's my, my, my lost love loved you gandhi you were the best um, minus Heroes because they only made one season of Heroes. Only one season of Heroes. Yeah, there were it's never so any more. Nope, no more seasons of Heroes. Just the one. Fuck what you heard. There was never another <laughs> season of Heroes. They could have done so much more with the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's all the news for now. Yep, I believe so. So with uh, that, Caitlin and I are going to go eat a couple more popsicles. <laughs> I was say, we're about, I'm just going to stick popsicles <laughs> to uh, me. It's popsicle time, friends. We're going to go deal with that. And yeah. when we get back, we are going to discuss the things that Caitlin and I brought each other. Uh, and we're going to try not to pass out. Yep. Otherwise, it's going to be fun radio. <laughs> it already kind of is. We're both getting heat stroke. But <laughs> God damn it, friends. We love to give you your content. We'll be back in one moment. See you soon.
Hello, friends. Welcome back to the program. Caitlin and I are now bloated with popsicle juice. It's really hot. It's still so hot. <laughs> like, friends, you need to understand. I got a ceiling fan. I got a window fan. And I got like a oscillating tower fan. Yeah. Behind us. We are in like three angles of fans blowing on us. And my bracelet was too hot. <laughs> and it is still like I low key loathe Caitlin right now because it, her presence demands I wear a shirt. I'm so sorry. <laughs> First thing when she leaves, naked as possible. You're welcome, friends. It is really hot. Like, and this is this is the tip. I know, and I'm like hot. Like I said, my bracelet was my bracelet was making me hot, so I had to take my bracelet off. Mm. And then I was like, my flip flops are too hot. But like this is mild discomfort hot. We have not entered like no like hard to breathe hot. No, not yet. So, friends, we're going to try for you this summer, but we really don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> yeah. FYI, we might be taking a break. You might, there, might be a, there might be a hiatus for July. I don't know. We'll see. If you feel that much away about it and you got an air-conditioned rec room, get at us. Yeah, let us know. You can guest. We'll hang with we your will grandma. Be, we will be more than happy to hang out and play crib with your grandma. <laughs> be awesome. Oh, dear. So this is the portion of the show where Caitlin and I talk about the things that we brought each other yes. that we may not have encountered otherwise to see if the other person likes it. Before we get into the discussion... We have three rules. There are rules. The first of which... The first of which is... Uh-oh. It's hot. It's not that hot. Okay, hold on. Hold on. I can do this. The first of which is the rule of three. There you go. I'm sorry. There's just, I, my brain is a little bit melty, just like my popsicle. <laughs> Rule of three, which uh, demands that we, if we are presented with something that runs um, serially or episodically, um, that we have to uh, consume three of those episodes. Three parts, three issues, three episodes, three hours of a game, three <laughs> chapters of a book. I don't know. We're still working those ones out. But but basically, you get the gist. Uh, the second one is uh, Save It For The Pod, which we were much better this week than we were last much week. Much better. Uh, we haven't said one word to each other about what we brought each other. Nope. This is one of those weeks where I don't even know if Caitlin even found the thing I gave her because that's how little we talked about it. Though, he almost tried to use this rule on us talking about Preacher and I just went, nope, <laughs> it is not happening. I have to talk to somebody about Preacher. Um, it's like, shouldn't we save it for the pod? She's like, we can't even talk about Preacher. <laughs> I Really, it was all in caps on Facebook. He knows my voice so well. <laughs> and the third rule... Uh, which is, it's more of a policy, uh, which is there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers. I feel like we should call it here be spoilers. Here, here be spoilers. Yeah. Don't know if it'll be that much of an issue this week, because frankly, I'm not even sure what happened in the thing I gave Caitlin, and I've read it multiple times, uh, and I didn't get that far into the thing that Caitlin brought me, so I don't know that there will be that many spoilers. However, if you have ever had an interest in reading Phonogram or watching Avatar The Last Airbender... This would be your time to vacate. Um, I, If you don't have uh, air conditioning or AC like we do, then don't go drink some tea. Go instead and have some lemonade. <laughs> and listen to lemonade. <laughs> and then get all riled up and upset. Oh my god. Listen. Because she was just here this week. I get it, Toronto. You're at the Beyonce concert. I put, the, put the Snapchat down. I think I'm just like an old lady or something. I didn't know Beyonce was in town. Well, she was. She also bought $3,500 worth of smoked meat sandwiches from Kaplansky's, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. Actually, I did hear about that. I didn't real. I didn't connect the dots, though. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was in town because I have like four people on my Snapchat who went and like 
listen, it's Beyonce. Why are you Snapchatting every other song? Like, just like if you think when I go to Perfume, yeah, you will see a frame of concert footage from that. You got another thing coming because I don't have time to stunt on social media when I'm communing with my queens. And is it hard when you'll be crying? Yeah, how am I supposed to hold the phone straight when I'm like sobbing <laughs> when they do Dream Fighter? Come on, people. Anyway, we like to switch back and forth between the things we bring each other for the discussion. Uh, we're start kind of starting at zero because we both watched the same thing last week. Reminder that you should all be watching Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. We w- watched uh, episode seven together and it was awesome. It was so good. New outfit for Mume. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, God. Best girl of the season. So this week, we are going to start with a thing. I brought Caitlin. This is a comic. It is a it is a British thing. It is a British it's thing. It's a super British thing. It is written and it is drawn by two British people. And it is about lots of British stuff. It is. So going back and listening to old episodes, as I am wont to do, I was revisiting the, I believe it was the Supergirl episode that I brought this up the first time. And I had mentioned that this was a book that I really had no plans to ever bring Caitlin. And I gave the brief synopsis of it. And at the end of it, Caitlin said, I'm offended. Why would you not give me that? I was offended. I still am offended. You said wizards and magic. How am I not on board for wizards and magic? Yeah. I said, all right. I was trying to think of something to give Caitlin. I said, you open to that? And she said, yes, it's wizards and magic. So I gave it to her. And it's not just wizards and mad- magic. I know I'm not like... I don't know what uh, uh, music. Well, that's the ex- question. So we'll get to that. Uh, fine. Put, put a pin in it, champ. I'm putting a pin in it. <laughs> Surly hot people. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm cranky. Getting damp and fussy. <laughs> so this is a book called Phonogram. It is done by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Names who are much better known now for books like Young Avengers for Marvel and currently The Wicked and the Divine, which is... Which I love. Which Caitlin loves, which is a sort of plays with some of the same things that are happening in Phonogram to a certain extent, kind of, sort of. But they have been much more successful with Wicked and the Divine. Phonogram was kind of a sleeper book. Didn't It's probably one of, for Gillen especially, maybe the most beloved thing he's ever done, the most personal thing he's ever done. Didn't quite have the sales to merit going forward as like an ongoing or doing as many as they wanted. Now they're way too busy with Wicked and the Divine and other things to really put much time in it. It's kind of a miracle that the Immaterial Girl, the third volume, ever came out. Uh, But we were not talking about that book. We were talking about the first one, which is called Rue Britannia. And so in Phonogram, the hook of the comic is, as given on the back of the trade, is Has a song ever changed your life? Did you ever wonder how? So this is a world where people can commune with music through magic or gain magic through music or barter parts of themselves with the spirits of certain genres and movements and cultures to gain power or to reverse aging or to do a whole bunch of stuff. And in this first volume, our main character, David Cole, who is a bit of a cad, he's a bit of a dick. A Um, bit of a dick? He's a giant dick. He has been tasked by the goddess, who I'm assuming is just music as a whole, right? to somebody's tinkering with one of her aspects. And in this case, the aspect is... Britpop. Britpop, which is the aspect of the goddess who gave Cole his powers in the first place. So the goddess, 
capital G goddess, uh, curses Cole, presumably with something resembling menstrual cramps, I'm assuming. Uh, yes, it's menstrual cramps. Um, to figure out what is going on with this aspect of herself. So, this is a book so densely packed with references to Britpop acts and late 90s British cultural ephemera that there is a glossary in the back. There, there is, yeah. Uh, Gillen says in the glossary preface that he doesn't think you need it to understand the story. I disagree. <laughs> I think the glossary is almost mandatory. And from a guy who's known to deep dive things, I still don't even know everything that's going on in this book. Right. So, Caitlin McKinnon. Yeah. For someone who really doesn't fuck with music on that obsessive a level. Uh-huh. What did you make a phonogram? Um, I really, really liked it. Really? I did. I am borderline appalled. You had... <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> that was a str- strange feeling I gave you. Um, I thought you would be happy and surprised. <laughs> Not appalled. Appalled was a bad word. I, I am rather stunned, to um, be honest. You have to remember, even though I wasn't a teenager in the 90s, I was still aware in the 90s. Yeah, I was you know, watching Sailor Moon, but I was also listening to a lot of different music about sort of like mid to late nineties is when my music, I I don't know what, how you would explain it. Sort of, I stopped just listening to Madonna and I started listening to other things. Mm -hmm. It started with Alanis Morissette and no doubt. And then it moved out from there. My favorite album, rock album of all time is the color and the shape by Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. and I became, oh, I know the great, the, the perfect word, I became aware of music. Yeah. And that was sort of, mid to late 90s was sort of uh, the height of Britpop, as, at least in, in Canada. Anytime that you would consider, uh, Britpop was, I guess, a reaction to grunge in a lot of ways. Yes, so. yes it was. Um, so that would put you in like, yeah, mid to late 90s. Yeah. So I, even though I was, you know, not really going to concerts, I was still aware and i was still it was out there enough in the ether that and i was still buying albums and asking for music and listening to the radio uh so i was i do actually know some of the things he's talking about um which was a surprise to me because you made (laughs) it seem so like the knowledge was like so esoteric and there's like a three page discussion of a group called Kaniki who I've like never heard of in my life. Yes. And, and some of that, what was really great is uh, because I was uh, reading it um, on my computer Mm. because that was the only way I could find it. I was getting, it was really funny. I was listening to a Britpop playlist. You could just scooch over and well, actually this happened three times. I was reading the comic and as soon as they mentioned the name of the band, they started playing. Really? And I was like, this is getting weird. Creepy. Um, so like... Music is magic. <laughs> it is magic. Uh, but I loved the idea of music is magic and how he set it up. And I loved his talk about nostalgia mm. and how that has a magic of its own. Yeah. Um, and how you are sort of made in a certain type of music and you have to decide if you want to remain that way even Mm -hmm. though more and more people forget what that genre was like yeah and if you want to make yourself into another genre or make yourself in the sort of image of another genre of music yeah you 
pick your tribe based yeah. on your. This is a thing that happens less in contemporary culture, I think, but definitely in in the '90s and the time where that he's writing about. Oh, absolutely! You picked your tribe based on you were a rap kid, you were a punk kid, you were like you. That's that's the lane you devoted yourself to, and you very rarely deviated from it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I loved all that, and it was a really nice a walk down memory lane again was not a teenager so it probably didn't impact me quite as much but I do remember that time fondly and they did mention a whole bunch of stuff uh, that I did get there were some jokes about Blur and Song 2 that I thought were hilarious and I got those and yeah I just thought it was really well put together I really liked it the book has a weird connection to me because Britpop has a weird connection to me in general um as it was happening, I abhorred it. Right. I told the story a lot about how, you know, if, if I was ever going to start scrawling things on the side of buildings, it would be Sophie was right. Because my friend Jeff is laughing right now as he hears this. We used to commute up with this friend of ours to university, and her name was Sophie. And Sophie loved Rip Hop. Sophie loved Morrissey and the Smiths and Depeche Mode. Yeah. And Jeff and I were like grunge kids and into punk and a little rap and things like that. And when Sophie would start putting on, like, you know, Ocean Color Scene or Suede or something like that or Morrissey, we would just be like, oh, my God, <laughs> Sophie, don't make us listen to fucking Pulp Point anymore. This is terrible. This is garbage. This is the worst music I've ever heard. Then, you know, 10 years go by and you revisit these and you go, holy shit, this was all really good. Yeah. Um, and one of the ones that specifically impacted me, even though I don't think Sophie was into them that much, was the Manic Street Preachers, which is a band that plays a large role. Yes. in phonogram because there is a subplot where the ghost of a woman david cole has done wrong has been appearing on a bridge which is a real bridge where former guitarist of the manic street preachers richie edwards was suspected to have killed himself on uh, in truth richie just disappeared nobody knows whatever happened to him they still to this day i think his mother still refuses to have him declared dead um yeah. nobody really knows where he went so this ghost of Beth is waiting, waiting for Richie. And there's a whole subplot there. And I was just like floored that like this could happen in a, in a comic. Like, like it really spoke to like the power of the medium. That's like, you just do whatever the fuck you want. This is what he wanted to do. I'm one of like 2000 people on this continent. Maybe that would read that and be super affected by it, but he did it anyway and put it out there. And I right. always really respected that. Um, well, I, what's interesting is you can tell it does come from a place of experience. It is obviously... It's a book he really wanted to write. And then when you get to the picture of him, he it's him. That's yeah, him. It's he's him. basically David Cole. Yeah. It, no, he like they have the like same glass haircut, like outfit, everything. It's it's him, and you go, okay, yes. That's hit, really hitting at home. That this is you know a a time that really affected him. And really formed him as a person. Mm. And that's what it's about, right? It's about what forms you as a person and what you carry with you and what you decide to not carry with you. Yeah. And just as a as someone who's, you know, past their teens and, and almost past their twenties, I I get that. I get, you know, there are things you want to keep and things you want to leave behind. And what's the power of a song to bring you back to that time, right? That's a lot of what it's about as well. And everybody thinks the music of their 20s was the best music ever made. 
And I don't. You don't? No. <laughs> right, the Fleetwood Mac fan over here. <laughs> um, what did you think of Emily? I, I mean, she, w- she was more um, a way of him to... She was almost like another aspect of him. Because she was, this is when I I was just talking about learning to just move on. That's what she was preaching. Mm. Was just, you're going to have to center yourself in another type of music. You should have done that long ago. I don't know why you're still sort of hanging on to this past. Mm. There was, and, and sorry, just for her character, she seemed fine. She was a fine character. I really liked the head of their tribe. Or the clan or whatever. Really? He's only in like two pages. I know. I just, I liked him because he had this sort of sulkiness to him <laughs> and it was drawn really well. Mm. Like it, it, there wasn't a ton of, like you said, it was only one scene. It wasn't a ton of dialogue, but he was just really drawn well as being stoic and powerful um, and also sulky. <laughs> and I like that. Um, maybe too big a question, but what did you make of the sort of gender politics at play in the book? Uh, It was really interesting because, you know, he starts out being really down on women's music. Yeah, he basically, he goes to like, the opening scene, he like goes to like a Lilith Fair style. And he's very condescending towards lots of different bands, like... Being like, I don't understand how anyone could like this band. Yeah, he's that guy you hate. Yeah, Um, but at the end, he sort of... In a couple of places, he admits he likes certain things, mm-hmm. and he admits at the end that he does like certain songs, and that's sort of important as well. And I, I thought it was funny because I remember, like, I went to Lilith Fair with my mom, and that's what I was thinking of, right? And he's sort of coming down on that, and that's fine. I thought it was funny because I remember people coming down on Lilith Fair a lot mm-hmm. um, as being ridiculous and silly and... You know, just for women who don't shave under their arms and stuff. <laughs> but I thought that time in the 90s was actually really important. I don't think you would have had Beyonce if you didn't have Lilith Fair. Po- very possibly you might not have. Yeah, why? why what, what did you think with the gender politics? Why was I mean, that noticeable for you? The noticeable thing for me, which I thought was played really, really well, because I was aware of the larger musical context, was when he finally realizes that he's been drawn to this event that he would not be at any other circumstance yeah. because the goddess has pulled him there yep. to essentially blackmail him or hold him hostage to take care of this problem she has. He says this phrase and she's like, don't you bring that in here. <laughs> it's a line from an Afghan wig song and yeah. the Afghan wigs are the most unapologetically like swinging cock rock band like mm-hmm. at a time. And they were around in the 90s. Like when everybody was doing grunge, the Afghan wigs decided they wanted to do like rock soul r&b type stuff and be like we are fine with being rock stars and we want to get all the ass we possibly can and it was really sort of antithetical to the you know philosophy of like kurt cobain and you know grunge was really feminist in a lot of ways yeah and the bands like the afghan wigs and to a lesser extent a band like urge overkill were really about like fuck it we want to sell out and get all the all the ass we possibly can so i really like that scene where he like tries to (laughs) tries to bring out the swinging cock of Greg Dooley and the goddess is like, nope, yep. nope, not happening here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I ask because I feel like it's a, it kind of goes unfulfilled a little bit. Like it's there in a sense where like, you know, the goddess gives him menstrual cramps to, to fulfill the duty she wants him to fulfill. And he shit talks a lot of female acts and things like that. But I don't know that he did as much with it as he could have. I think it was just, 
well, it's partly because that you know the the graphic novel wasn't about that. Yeah. Right. Um, it's an aspect of his character, which is it's kind of makes you not pity him but you everyone knows a guy like that mm. everybody knows a guy like that it might not be music might be movies but we we all know somebody like that and i think it was really good at sort of rounding out his character really quickly um mm. you sort of know realize what he stands for and it's nice to see even in one volume him sort of come to the realization of again that he likes certain things that he would never admit to openly and b he actually goes out of his way to help someone that he doesn't need to help which is the it she's not technically a ghost because she's not dead but it's like a ghost memory of that girl you're talking Mm, about bath he helps her even though he doesn't need to his curse has been lifted he does it because he wants to help her um, he's not getting anything for it, mm. but he just, it sort of, it, I guess, made him sad in some way or it, it touched him in some way. Yeah. So I thought that was, that was interesting. I'm trying to think. There was something else I was going to mention that I really, really liked. Um, oh, oh, the, the resurrection of the, of Britpop. I was just about to get into that. Yeah. So, because uh, I, I remembered it was another aspect I liked. So, yeah, basically what you have is... A thread throughout is that as a, any certain genre has cultural relevance, the people who are connected to it get power from it yeah. or youth or what have you. So basically you have a bunch of mods who are getting older and don't like it and working to resurrect the spirit of Britpop before it's time. Yes. Like, as we all know, things come back around all the time. Maybe, I don't know if in the context of the book it already has come back around once. Like she already had one come back around well, with bands yeah. like the Libertines and things like well, that. But. I think I think it was sort of because you you talked before about Depeche Mode and all of them. Those were eighties mm. bands, and then like the nineties was kind of the resurgence of that. Perhaps, yeah. And uh, maybe you could say like that time where you know the, the Arctic Monkeys and mm. all of those guys came up. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that maybe you could say was a resurgence. Yeah, so they're trying to. There, there are times when the spirits of certain genres can be resurrected because these things always come back around. But the point is these mods are trying to like do it too early. It's yeah. not time. They're greedy. They want it now and they can't have it yet. And, and what was interesting is they resurrect her, but they, she's, it's not a real resurrection. She's still de- Britpop's still dead. Yeah. But it's sort of this like, she's kind of a, she looks kind of like a zombie, right? She's got like a patch of skin missing Mm. and um, sunken eyes. Yeah. And it's the idea that you really can't force things before their time. There Mm. have to be a lot of things at work for something to be resurrected. And even though they offer him this power, and this is getting more to like the magic side of it, which I really like, even though they're offering him this power, and he even says, like a week ago, I probably would have said yes he's he, again this is also part of his journey and he's realized that he doesn't actually want this he wants his memories but he doesn't want what he used to have mm. another fun bit is him wearing the the chain around his neck and the shirt and the clothes and the spray paint on his shoes and like the the eyeliner in the special box <laughs> that he like opens and like puts around his eyes. So basically to make his way back to the memory palace that is the place, you know, the shared communal memory that everyone has of this time. Yeah. He has to like commune with it. So he 
goes back to the club he used to dance to all the time. Which has changed. Which has changed completely, and now it just plays like, you know, throwback 70s type shit. But he's basically there, yeah, with like a Walkman of his favorite Britpop tunes and completely redone up in how he would have dressed at the time. Yeah. With Sylvia Plath in his back pocket. Oh, did he? I miss that. that. Um, Yeah, and that was fantastic as well and made me hauntingly remember uh, how I used to dress in the (laughs) late 90s um, and Uh, even into my teenage years. I didn't have a chain. I did have a couple spiked, leathery spiked bracelets and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Had the chain. Had the big pants. Oh, we all had, we all had the big pants. Oh, yeah and uh always wore sparkles we were too poor to buy like you know the 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 brand big pants so we would just go to value village and buy like obscenely large pants (laughs) and then like 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 52s and like cinch them up as best we could yeah Yeah. we couldn't go out and get the whatever the the brand was yeah at the time uh what did you think of kid with knife uh I, i thought he was fun but i didn't know why he was there it sucks because he so the singles club which is the volume that came after is a bunch of one shots right um should also be mentioned this book is in black and white the second two uh they they took some of that marvel money and got some color oh really yes oh because i I mean i did like the black and white but the whole time i was like oh i really wish i could see this in color yeah the second two are in color um and the singles club is but takes place at one night at a club Mm mm-hmm and there are a bunch of different characters that it focuses on. A lot of characters are new. I think Emily Astor has one issue which feeds into the Immaterial Girl, which is all about her. Right. Cole pops up as supporting character throughout. Uh, most of the characters in the Singles Club are new, but Kid with Knife gets the last issue. <laughs> and it's called Wolf Like Me because that song by TV on the radio is apparently what he's listening to as he's getting ready to go out to the club. Right. And he's kind of narrating and he says something like, Cole's always talking about how music is magic, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, no shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> like to him, it's not a bit, it's so simple for him. Like it's yeah. not a, it's not a big deal for him. Well, I was wondering because, and, and what's interesting, he's got like the Wu-Tang shirt on and yeah. stuff. And I would have liked to see more. And I, and I've actually have the second issue cause I really wanted to read it. Like I have the second volume. Rather. Okay. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, but I, I wanted to as soon as I finished the first oh, cool. uh, uh, volume. I was really interested in sort of the world they created. And um, I wanted to know more about other music and mm-hmm. sort of how that works in the ma- with the magic and and the different sort of tribes and stuff. I thought that would have been really interesting. Yeah, and as, as we said when I first brought this up, back way back when on like the supergirl episode i i think i did say that that was always has always been my one criticism is that it's Britpop, girl groups pop music in general that's yeah. obviously where gillen's heart lies that's what he knows the best that's what he likes to write about that's what he can write about most effectively as far as these these characters and this world goes but yeah i do want to see like what it looks like like what does a phonomancer who's dedicated himself to hip hop look like, right. or, or you know, electro rave or things like that? I think it's a really neat idea because on one hand it it talks about history, which I like, <laughs> and on the other hand it has wizards, which I also <laughs> like, and I think it's a weird, interesting idea to put them together. I also like the way that Jamie McKelvey mm. um, 
like has the music sort of written in the background while pe- certain people are getting ready and what they're listening to and I I just like the way that it looks as well. He's a um, he's a great artist. He's a fantastic artist. I'm really interested to see all of it in color. Um, not that the black and white took anything away from the comic, but I think color could add to the comic. Um, I'll be that snob. I prefer my col- my comics in color. Uh, well, yeah, I I find that it really it adds it add, does add quite a lot to them. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It was just a good experience reading it. So, well, what would you rate it? Um, I would rate it a seven. Cool. Um, I would rate it an eight or a nine for anyone who's interest really interested in music. I, not that I'm not, but I'm not sort of. Uh, You're not a deep diver. I'm not a deep diver for anything. <laughs> um, I was thinking today. I don't even know the names of the ships in Star Trek, which you would think I would watching so much Star Trek. But <laughs> I know people who could just who like know every ship. Mm-hmm. Anyways, well, seven. A seven and an eight or nine for anyone who's really interested in in music, specifically Britpop. I think they'd really enjoy it. Dope. Well, it is out available as a trade in print and online. I think it does that thing that Image likes to do where the first volumes of anything are mad cheap by comparison. So I think you can probably pick it up. I, I know on Amazon you can pick it up for 10 bucks. Yep. That's about what I was going to say. 10 bucks. And yeah, three volumes total. To my dismay, and to theirs a little bit as well, I think, there is no plans for any more. That is really sad, actually, because um, I think it's something you could do a lot with. Uh, the, it took a lot to get the Immaterial Girl off the ground. I think they first announced it, and like it might have been like 2012. Wow. And it took like four years to finally get it done. Wow. But anyway, that's out in the world. You can enjoy it, support it, and yeah, if you have read it or check it out based on Caitlin's recommendation, let us know. That'd be great. All right, and now on to the big one. This is a big one. I put in my own music. Sometimes you add things, and I just felt like I wanted to <laughs> add my own touch to it. We are going to be talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. Much beloved. Much beloved. Much beloved and much acclaimed, which is important. So, Avatar The Last Airbender, also known as Avatar The Legend of Aang in some areas, is an American animated television series that aired for three seasons on Nickelodeon from 2005 to 2008. The Avatar series is set in an Asiatic-like world. They use imagery and uh, influence from East Asian, Inuit, Southeast Asian, South Asian, and New World societies. In the world, uh, people are able to manipulate um, the four base elements, which are water, fire, air, and earth, by something called bending, which is like a type of martial arts. The world is split up into four kingdoms, basically, mm-hmm. which is it's the air kingdom, the water kingdom, the earth kingdom, and the fire kingdom. The series follows the adventures of protagonist named Aang, who is 12 years old, and his friends, and they must bring peace and unity to the world by ending the Fire Lord's war against the other three nations. The series was created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko, and uh, it is, as we mentioned, uh, beloved by fans and acclaimed by, who are those people who acclaim things? Critics. Critics. That's the one. <laughs> um, 
I obviously it's something that I I really love and I was surprised uh, quite a few episodes ago when we found out that or I found out and you audience found out that Jordan had not seen it. Nope. I was particularly surprised because of our mutual friend Kaim, who also loves Avatar, The Last Airbender. Um, I'm surprised Kaim had not forced Jordan to watch it. So, Jordan, what did you think of of Avatar? It was fine. It was fine? <laughs> really? Oh, y'all are going to be so mad about this. Listen, I have a larger concern. Not concern. It's a concern for myself as much as anything. Okay. <laughs> show, show led me to a, to a, on a path of attempted self-discovery that I don't have an answer to, friends, but... Uh, so I went out five episodes in on this. Yeah. It really kind of played on the background while I did other things. Okay. Can acknowledge, if I was 10 years old, this would be my favorite show. Yep. I'm not 10 years old, so it was... All right. From just a narrative perspective... Yes. And I can grant, I have faith, given all the acclaim and love that this show has garnered mm-hmm. over the years, that any concern I have with it probably gets fixed. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like the stakes are very high. I don't know what the stakes are, despite having like seen the destruction wrought by the Fire Kingdom. Right. Uh, in certain areas, stakes didn't feel very high to okay. me. All right. Aang is kind of insufferable at times. He's 12. He's 12. A lot of 12-year-olds are. There were things I liked. Um, I got to the episode where they... Hell, what the hell are they called? Kiyoshi? Kiyoshi Island, yeah. Kiyoshi Island. I dug Kiyoshi Island. I had a good time there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I dug Kiyoshi Island. I liked all of that. I mean, obviously, because it was the girls look like samurai warriors. I dug the aesthetic. And their fans. Of that, of that whole environment. It's a show for children, so it's going to be heavy-handed in delivering this message, even as much as I like the message about, like, you know, hey, girls can kick your ass, too, type of thing. Yeah, it's an important message. But I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You could be subtler, but this is a show for children. You're not looking for subtlety here. But the thing I kept stumbling on is this is basically the West's attempt at doing a shonen. Um, not not in the like be the best you know he wants to be the best ninja in the world or the best avatar I think in the this world this is the west's attempt to make an anime i saw it as specifically shonen from a trope perspective not necessarily from a target demographic perspective but at any at any rate i guarantee you i have seen shows aimed at children in a very similar vein to this one mm-hmm. from japan that i probably give a wider pass to and that's not really weeds I want to get lost in. I do find myself wondering, is like, well, am I just an Orientalist piece of trash who, like... The answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> are, are they actually told better? This was told fine, but there were it did strike me as kind of juvenile in a lot of ways. Not to any extent that I couldn't get over. Right. And I probably will keep watching it. I And I was going to say, I, I have a... F- Before this... Like, before giving it to you, even, mm-hmm. I I had a feeling that it was going to be a lot like Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. In where the initial, the initial sort of, the initial rating you gave it was sort of like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think if you keep on watching, you're going to understand. Probably. Part of me just kind of wants to go straight to Korra. No, don't go straight to Korra. Which is funny because I just finished watching the third season of mm. Korra, and I'm itching to start the fourth season. <laughs> Mercifully, I did think this was going to be a complete wash for me because I thought it was like 120 episodes. Avatar. 
Oh, yeah. I thought Avatar was like mad long. No, it's no, it's not, not like not, an anime anime. It's it's not like One Piece. It's still pushing the limit. Yeah. 60 episodes is a fucking lot. So it might be like a year before I end up getting through it. Uh, I don't think it's going to take that long. <laughs> so so you say how close attention I pay to it as I go through it is another matter. Like, like I said, I was drying dishes. I was playing iPad games. There were a lot of other things definitely, going on while I was watching it. Definitely the first season is the weakest. Yeah, like I or said, or the first book, I should say. I feel like everything I have a problem with will likely sort itself as I go along. Did not make the best impact on me at the start. I kind of even so. Say you keep on watching and you're still sort of just like, eh, you have to watch until you get. Are you going to break the Final Fantasy thirteen rule? No. What's the Final F- Fantasy? Thir- oh no, no, no. I'm <laughs> no. I'm I'm saying you have to watch till a character because she is you. <laughs> and and Kaim is probably laughing right now because he knows I'm gonna say Toph. Um, you Toph is your spirit animal. Mm. You don't know it yet, but she is. She is so you. This is a large gamble because I'll either laugh and go, "Ha ha, she is me," or I'll be like, "Fuck you guys and fuck this show." No, no, I think you'll really enjoy Toph. Um, but unfortunately, it does she does appear in the second season? So. Second season, good. You are breaking the Final Fantasy thirteen. I, I know I am. I'm sorry. That's me to devote like. 10 hours of my life. Okay, you can do it while you're watching dishes or folding laundry, <laughs> all right? You, and while you wait for the next Steven Universe episode, which you apparently can't go without watching. Oh my god, it's up! <laughs> I just remembered what day it is. Oh no, he's gonna stop, we're gonna stop the podcast this episode right is, now. This episode is over. Uh, no. I, I am aware of how well-beloved this show is, and I'm trying to, I, you don't, I can't find a way into why that is this early on. Right. I do find all the characters are painted really broad. I can even see the nuance that's developing there. I'm assuming that Fire Prince is going to end up our tweener where he starts off as a bad guy, but then he ends up as kind of a good guy, but you don't really... <laughs> he's not totally a good guy, but sometimes he does good things. You know, he's our... He's our what, what we call him? Chaotic neutral? What would he be? Um... No, I... I Well, no, I can't tell you or else I might <laughs> give something away. Spoil everything. Um... His alignment, that's what you're looking for. Yes. What's the girl's name who finds him? Who Katara? Finds Aang? Katara's brother is obviously our buffoon who probably turns into like a great warrior, by a great supporting warrior by the time it's all over, even though he doesn't have any like quote unquote powers. Mm-hmm. Katara's probably going to be an amazing waterbender by the time it's all over. Like, you know, I've seen enough of these shows to like know the beats that are there. I'm hoping that they tweak them enough and that just taking some of the beats and narrative stylings of anime isn't the only reason that made this show exceptional to people exposed to them for the first time. It isn't. I can just, I can tell you that straight up. Okay. Yeah. They actually do some things and some serious stuff as well that can be really surprising. I would like to see that. (laughs) Can be really surprising because it's a kid's show. And uh, like, I haven't seen all the kingdoms yet. I want to see all the kingdoms. I haven't seen the earth kingdom yet. I want to see that. Um, I want the seriousness now, which I know is an unfair thing to put on a children's show. I was thinking back to when I first watched it, and I think it was recommended to me by, I think it was Misha. Misha watches a lot of anime. I don't know for sure. Mm. It might have been Misha. I think it was from someone who had watched a lot of anime, who'd really liked this show. And someone had suggested I watch it, and I think I was sort of at the same place you were. I was like, yeah, it's okay. Like, first season like i'll keep on watching it but i don't see why everyone loves it so much and then 
as I got further in, I was like, oh my God, best show ever. And I think you're going to find, yeah, that it's a little bit like Steven Universe, that you kind of have to get in a bit. And it's still kind of like Monster of the Week without monsters yeah. right now. Like, oh, let's go to the Air Temple and do things around the Air Temple. That was fun. Back on the cat bus. Off we go. Hey. He's a cat bus. His name is Appa, and he's not a cat bus. He's a flying bison. He's a cat bus. His name is Appa. He's a cat bus. His name is Appa. a cat bus you can't get into. Appa. <laughs> yep, yep, cat bus. <laughs> So I would like to see some larger narrative threads there, and I would like to see just some stakes. I don't feel like there's any stakes yet, despite everyone talking in such hushed tones and fear about the Fire Kingdom. Right. The Fire Kingdom ain't really shown me much yet, yeah. despite seeing, you know, the corpse of Aang's master or something sitting there. But again, I I, I don't think the rule of three is an effective... I'm a, I can at least admit that I don't think the rule of three is an effective marker for this show. And it, sometimes it's, it's a tendency not to be, right? Like, sometimes, I mean, you wouldn't if you had just stopped at three episodes, you would have never got into Steven Universe. Yeah, probably not. So, yeah, sometimes it does take us. And I think we should have an episode where we revisit a lot of these things. Um, people are still teasing me about Utena. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> As in you should go back to it, or...? Uh, my Misha, I brought it. Misha and Rochelle love Utena. Mm. Like, absolutely adore Utena. Uh, these are two people I role play with, uh, usually after I do this show, but they're off at Anime North this week. And Have fun, y'all. Wish I was there. <laughs> Misha wrote a little email just reminding everyone that uh, role playing was canceled. And, hey, Caitlin, do you want me to pick up some Utena <laughs> swag for you? I was like, no, it's okay. Man, I don't think you can get Utena swag anymore. That show is like ancient. By, um, but by they, they both love it and can't understand why. I don't like the show. They think it's like, like masterclass anime. Um, so they kind of, you know, I've talked about maybe taking a look at things further along and seeing if maybe I do like U- Utena more than I did on the the rule of three viewing. Just watch the movie. You just want me to see them turn into cars, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do. No, I want you to. I want you to fucking finish Mitch and Hachim before you watch. Uh, I know. I, I I definitely have to. But now I've got like. <laughs> now, we, now we got Cabinary. Cabinary. Way too much. Back to the point. Yes. Avatar. Avatar. If I'm trying to summon a rating, yes. I do feel it's hard because I have seen like the smallest fraction. Like it's a sixty episode show, and I've seen five okay so fine give me a five episode rating and then we can always revisit currently it's like six with a star okay six with an asterisk it's fine like steven universe i may very well i got two days off this weekend for all it's hot af i'm pretty and it might be raining i'm sure i am not going to feel like cleaning my bathroom this weekend (laughs) right i will probably just end up parked in my chair it's like, well, let's just let some Avatar ride for a couple hours and, and see where we end up. And then in a message, like, later today, I haven't left anything yet. I'm just stuck to my chair. It's my favorite show now. <laughs> this is <laughs> what I'm imagining. Let's not go that far. See, the... Uh, it's no cabinary. The, the Jordan I imagine is either yelling at me <laughs> <laughs> or making fun of me or telling me that something is now his new favorite show. I can do all three at once, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I've seen it happen. So yes, it's 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 a it's a respectful six. Don't come for me, people. I'm sure it gets better. I know how y'all feel about this show. I'm willing to give it more of an opportunity. But remember the Final Fantasy thirteen rule. It would just remind people if they, they don't The Final Fantasy thirteen rule is 
Don't tell me something gets good after 20 hours. I'll give you like six tops. Yeah. Do Which I need, do I need to explain where it came from? Or? No, I, 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 no, I think people understand. Everyone's had that, that situation where, you know, they haven't liked something from the get-go. And someone's like, oh, yeah, it just gets better, like, fifth season. Just stay with it. So that was Avatar. Before that was Phonogram. Currently collecting under my breast is a pile of sweat. It's so hot in here, y'all. It is so hot. We got to get the fuck out of here. I'm so hot. Social media. It's Geek Down Pod for everything. I said it at the top of the show. Rewind it. <laughs> it's that. That's how bad it is, folks. <laughs> it's so hot. We're done. We're getting out of here. We did this for you anyway because we love you and we love each other and we love making this show. And we hope that you enjoyed and we hope that you turn in next week. If there is a show next week, we'll see how hot it is. Check the Facebook. We will check the weather reports. And I think we're actually going down to like a smooth 23 next Ooh, week. Ooh, that could be good. So uh, hopefully that'll be hopefully that'll be all right. Yeah. Anyway. This has been a sweat-stained edition of Geek Down. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And my name is Caitlin McKinnon. Because we decided we're going to say our names at the end now because it sounds more professional. It does sound more professional. And we will see you back here next week. See you then. I was working on it on the bus <laughs> <laughs> and I think the guy uh, like it was like me a seat empty across the aisle a seat a seat empty the guy and the guy kept on looking at me like I was a crazy lady were I you actually saying anything or were no you I was just I was saying it, it yeah mouthing it without saying it and then I think I got really intense at one point because you were making fun of me in my head and, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like you know what I don't. I don't. Screw you, Jordan. Fuck you. That's not (laughs) fair. I wasn't even doing anything. In my head, you were. (laughs) Uh...